0: Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one.
1: This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. It is outdoor golf season, and the podcast is back on the air. Party of Four here at Mistwood Golf Club. I'm Ben Hutchison alongside Andy Michelson. And like I said, we are open for business. The weather's nice. We're getting some good April weather, Andy. Golf is alive and well. It
0: felt like we literally turned the lights off. It, it's still open, but we kind of turned the lights <laughs> off to the indoor season yeah. and literally walked out and then, bang, just turned the lights right back on. I mean, we, we've had a crazy passionate group of golfers, blessed by great weather these first uh, first week or so. Um, a lot of happy faces, a lot of smiling faces, a lot of new faces. So, it's, it's been an incredible start, and yeah, this is not slowing down, and, and nor did we think it would be. It's, it's going to be probably a year unlike any other, even more than last year.
1: Andy, I don't want to waste any more time. We have to get to the phone. You know what? We have Harry Arnett, former executive vice president Callaway Golf, now CEO and co-founder of Municipal, which has some awesome sport utility gear. He's on the phone with us. Just little old us here.
0: Yeah, li- little operation here, but we're excited to have him. <laughs> hey,
2: Harry, how's it <laughs> going? I, I feel like you guys are the big operation in this conversation. So I appreciate you guys having
1: me. Well, I mean, a little background here. We got we got to talk golf. We're going to talk Masters. But first, kind of your path here. We met you years ago when you were with Callaway, working for them, focusing on the marketing and everything there. So much fun. We're a huge fan of what they've done there when you were there and what they do now. Uh, just really kind of cutting-edge stuff and really just – taking chances, what was that like for you working for Callaway?
2: It was the best seven years of my career yet, and um, not not counting the last year and a half at Municipal, which has been totally different. But from being the being able to hang out just around the game and, and the people that love the game like you guys, to um, getting to work for Chip Brewer, who's one of my favorite people on the planet Earth, in an industry that I love, at an iconic brand like Callaway and getting the opportunity to to do something totally different with a, with a, a, a major um, cornerstone brand in that industry was, uh, I mean, chance of a lifetime. And uh, I look back so fondly at that because it, it coincided I think a lot with some of the things that were happening culturally with how people are, um, how people are really demanding that they engage with brand now, and we were, we, I'm proud to say we were on the cutting edge. I think on a lot of, of, uh, the things that we did that were really putting the consumer and and the fans of our brand and golf fans right in the center of everything that we did from content to creation of product to events to how we worked with, um, with retailers or, or, or places like you guys. Um, it was, it was such a fun ride and that, that seven years went by so fast. (laughs) I, I was thinking about, about just kind of those early days and I was like, Oh, that, that was like a year or two. And then the calendar doesn't lie. I mean, 2012 is now nine years ago. So, um, it was but it was it was a like honestly some of the most fun times i've ever had yeah
0: some of the cool stuff that that i was always just amazed by was your indirect kind of approach to marketing which was you know my kids know callaway through watching dude perfect you know stuff like that like what how did you guys come up with that like like not necessarily going the old traditional round of route of you know making sure that the players on sunday are playing the equipment and everything else and and that was the primary focus to to like kind of ha- coming up with the idea. Well, let's let's flip the script and, and let's do it completely different for anyone else.
2: Yeah, it's kind of I mean maybe overstating, but we, we were we were somewhat punk rock on it in thinking yeah. about let 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 really cool, interesting people that are potentially voices you haven't heard of, um, in the past or at current talk about their and love of the game because of their affiliation with us at Callaway. So we really took an approach of um, because we are in, involved in this experience, your, your experience with golf is better than it ever could be. That was sort of our, the this oversimplification of what we were, we were trying to do. Because back going back now, it's nine years ago, the, the way that media was oriented and certainly the way that like tour golf and even the people we were competing against were all were all describing a game that was very niche and specific to tour in the highest level. And we love that, too. But we also there were things about the game that we loved that weren't described by how it's played at the highest level. Or by tour players and we there was there was this huge gap between what what the guys do who play for a living versus guys like us who do it because we love it and and we wanted to kind of marry those two things up with the consumer fans of ours right in the middle of it and feeling like they were a part of that whole sphere and so we um we did things like dude perfect who now everybody knows be Perfect. Back right. then, not, not a lot of people knew about them. And those were young guys. They had a different voice. They had a love of the game. Um, they're phenomenal athletes. They're incredibly engaging with consumers. And we thought it would be really cool to have people see the Callaway brand as experienced by them in a way that we weren't really leading or guiding the way that they were going to talk about us. We wanted it to be authentic. To their voice, and that's that's really the same way I think that we we were uh, managing the brand too. That we wanted it to we wanted it to be the in the voice of the people, but also doing it in a really premium, aspirational way. So um, we wanted it to be we wanted it to be thrilling and performance oriented, but at the end of the day really inviting and fun for everybody who wanted to be a part of the brand. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, like I said, that was, that was certainly like totally foreign for golf. And I think in a lot of ways that was really different for a lot of brands to be able to, um, have that kind of freewheeling, unscripted, organic storytelling approach to how, how they manage the brand.
1: You really took the words right out of my mouth because I was thinking you have performance, you have a product, but Fun is a very relatable thing, and you guys nailed it.
2: I appreciate you saying that. That was the, the whole intention, and you know, it is Masters Week this week, and I I remember getting we did we did a, we did a show um, at Callaway back then that was a live show. We had a live talk show. That was my guilty pleasure.
0: Was, I love that. That was the that was <laughs> yeah, like my favorite so the, thing to watch. I love that.
2: Yeah, it was uh, the whole point of it was like there's so many cool people that are associated with the game that we don't even really get to hear from or talk about or talk to um because the industry is so focused on tour players that's that's just it's kind of the cookie cutter approach to marketing get a product put it in a tour player's hand let them tell you that they've never hit it any farther than they had with this product in the past slap it on commercials rinse and repeat put some proof points around it number one on tour most played on tour most tour players love this product um and we we were really wanting to to blow that whole model apart so that people would really appreciate that they were a part of a game that was a lot more diverse and broad than that and the cowboy live show was kind of showing two things number one we really loved the fact that it was freewheeling and again unscripted and totally different from what you'd see from a brand and we could give it as a platform to really show the types of things that we love about about uh, playing the game and Being around the game like we all are, we get the opportunity to meet like incredibly cool people all the time. And so we wanted to show we wanted to show that to the world. And I remember um, one of the one of my my real heroes and business icon, a guy named Alan Mulally, who um, I met through golf and we ended up having him on the show. And he um, he was he was just talking a little bit about the philosophy of augusta national not the masters but mm-hmm. the club and the 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 philosophy of the club is that it exists to be a place where people uh, who will people will have an experience unlike any they'd ever had before yeah. um i'm paraphrasing and so i really love that i i, I and we kind of stole that for for ourselves <laughs> <laughs> is which you can kind of hear from the language i was talking about before is Let's hold the ideal that there's there's going to be a personal connection uh, between our brand and the people that work here, and the people that touch our company, either as consumers or as stakeholders or as partners. That their experience is is going to be unlike any other, and um, I think we really held that that ideal. Um, much as we could through not just our marketing, but certainly in the way that we we worked with customers and 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 service and, and other things, and that that all was not not a marketing approach. I hope you're hearing that. That that yeah. really was from from Chip all the way all the way through the organization. Who
0: who was the guest they su- surprised you with, and you were like a ten year old boy? Was it John Smoltz or Maddox or the, who was it?
2: Maddox. Oh Maddox. my god. Yeah, that's right. You Maddox, freaked yeah, out. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> so now. So now, Andy, you're, you're really pulling back the sheet on it, which that show really was a vehicle for me to get to meet all the people that I couldn't normally.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, Andy they watched you? it with popcorn, so but he no, was, it's like, getting like, ready yeah, to it. Totally.
0: I, was, I was, like, honestly, that was probably the best interview I've ever seen with Greg Maddox because he's such a yes-or-no guy and, like, yeah. doesn't talk much. It was great.
2: Golf will do that. You know, like, you get you get people that are pretty humble about, about whatever their career that they're doing, and as soon as you get them talking about golf, you immediately give somebody who's fairly introverted, like Greg Maddox, and very introspective, a platform to kind of be effusive about the game, and it was that. So what people didn't see is generally like Maddox got to our so our, our show would would start filming around five thirty, and he got there around noon, did a fitting, and then from about two thirty to five thirty, he was just hanging out with our company, and it was it was really fun. So. Uh, I had kind of the um, the Chris Farley moments where I was like, "Hey, remember, remember that time that you you had that complete game that went an hour and forty minutes on eighty-one pitches? Yeah, that, I did that, that, that twenty
0: awesome. times. <laughs>
2: yeah, 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 that, that that was awesome." He's like, "Yeah, I, I was there. I remember it. Yeah, I was. I because was, I was there. I remember it. Yeah, it was
1: fun." Awesome. The uh, the closest I came to uh, you know Atlanta Brave famous moment was uh, Tom Glavin's three hundredth win. At Wrigley Field. I was in the dugout after he had won the game and I started to walk out and all the cameras looked at me because they were hoping he was gonna walk back out the dugout. So it was my most famous <laughs> feeling moment and it let them all down that I
2: wasn't talking about. Uh, what a what a what a unfortunate photo bomb <laughs> that is. Now was he a brave at the time or did he, he was win a Met. with the Mets. Yeah, with the Mets, right? Yeah, it was with the Mets, yeah, but see that, that's like you're, you're, poking, you're poking the nose of Braves uh, fans everywhere that he got his 300 wins with a mess. A
1: mess! I, come but on. But I picture him as an Atlanta Brave forever. So. Always. All some, famous
2: as a Atlanta Brave, of course.
1: Some sort of consolation there. But let's move on now. So we have Municipal. You are a co-founder yeah. with uh-huh. produ- producer Steven Levinson. He's obviously known. And then a guy named Mark Wahlberg, also co-founder. Huge fan of his. I was thinking about some of the movies I've seen, and just he's so consistent throughout his career. Fitness is obviously a big part of his life and what he does. How did all of this come about?
2: It it really started, again, you know, as we were talking about before. I I pretty much, over the last 15 years of my life, meet everyone through golf. So I met Mark through a mutual friend. Mark is probably one of the most avid golfers there is. Probably, Definitely the most avid A-list um celebrity golfer. Mm-hmm. And so we, we met through through golf. He had uh in a mutual friend and we had kind of become friendly over the years. Um he would uh, any any time something new and cool came out from callaway I'd make sure I'd send it to him because he loves he loves golf gear he's like us. So um he had he had just started at the time when when I met him to really think differently about what his his the rest of his life is going to be. Mark and I are, are very close in age. As a matter of fact, he, he's going to turn 50 here in a couple months and I turn 50 in the fall. So we're, we're almost the same age. And although he has a much more elevated hype version of <laughs> uh, his life than mine, some of the, the themes and the core are really the same for us going through that part of our life where you start to really think about what do you want to spend your time on? What do you want to... How do you want your family to play into that? What's what's really your legacy that you wanna you wanna create while you're still on this earth and how do you make an impact? And he, he had started to really think about um about diversifying his his interests and um, really chasing his passions beyond just entertainment into things that were much more aligned with his his core purpose and his lifestyle around health and wellness and helping people and he had started to not just become an endorser. So if you think of like the first, uh, 20 years or so of his professional career was a fairly, um, I would say traditional approach, although there's nothing traditional about him because he, he went from music to, to, uh, entertainment and, uh, or into, into doing movies. Um, which is a hard jump to make. You can, you can count on one hand the amount of people that have done that successfully. So he went from a really successful, up and coming young hip hop artist, frankly, to a, a global superstar, um, movie star. And, but his, his business interests outside of that were pretty typical from what would happen with an A-lister. He, 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 if he did something on a corporate, or commercially it, it generally was as an endorser or as a paid spokesperson and he found that to be um somewhat hollow because he he was really having uh a lot of um a lot of internal push to learn and be more involved in like the creation and management and and future direction of of the companies that he was associated with. So as that is kind of the backdrop, we started the. we talked about that a lot because in my own like weird way, I was going through some of those similar things, although within a corporate structure and obviously, um, like I said before, Mark and Mark and my status are on slightly different planes. You guys will give me that right. Slightly different. <laughs> no, it's good, though. So, they're both, <laughs> slightly they're different both nice. Yeah. I, you know, as I tell him, look, in golf in in golf, I can I, I would walk to the PGA show and people would recognize me. Does that count for any? <laughs> oh, anyway yeah, um, <laughs> you're a big blue check mark in golf. Friends of mine big big blue check friends mark. of mine would notice me. Friends of <laughs> mine would notice me. But um so we were we were talking about brands and what does that mean and he, he um I was having the same and have been the same push to start something really from from scratch. Have ownership, more direct ownership. Um, not I don't I don't literally mean like owning the company, but I just mean having more um, skin in the game to the degree of really betting on myself. And and Mark that Mark's the whole DNA. So every conversation I'd have with him was incredibly inspiring. But we started talking about doing a brand together and how I was I was really, really passionate about the notion that a brand, the relationship between a, a brand and its fans to be deeper than, than a transactional one, very similar to what we we're just talking about with how we did cowling and what we were really talking a lot about the, the brand landscape and, and specifically in kind of apparel and gear and where the, where the gaps were and, for Mark and and Steve Levinson, who we call Lev, their their whole lifestyle, even though it's really elevated, like I was saying, is really similar to ours. It's so diverse. It's so multitasked. They go from one place to another. Um, their the health and wellness is right at the center of it. So you guys know Mark has a has a, a incredibly famous workout routine. That is- you know, incredibly well-known that the guy's up at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> the, like There's not a more fit person on the planet Earth than Mark, and he fits that into his life. But there really wasn't a brand that kind of spoke to that in terms of making the types of stuff that you need from the moment you wake up in and out of the gym when you're working out, to and from, and also that you can wear anywhere else. Incom- incredibly comfortable, soft, stretchy, Performance fabrics that don't 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 make you look like a door, and we were so really what we're talking about is there needed to be something that was kind of a high tech leisure company that that was really the big white space and it just so happens that's a massive category it's a hundred billion dollar category but nobody had done something like that and of course when we started talking about it I was like man this is just like what an opportunity to really give it a shot to try something that had never been done before from scratch, put our fingerprints on it. It can go any direction we want to. And if we do it correctly, we're going to really diverge and create a new way of doing things in a, in a, in a really big, important category. And, um, so we are like, let's do it. Let's go for it and see what happens.
1: That's really cool. And you are talking anything from, you know, beginning of the day, you got underwear, t-shirts, hoodies, polos, pants, crews. TrackSuit, I'm just kind of going down the website here, but it's all stuff yeah. I've seen, and, you know, it's it's awesome. So, like you said, it's a very specific, targeted approach, but between all the ads and everything else, you're kind of maintaining that fun, it appears, as well.
2: Well, I mean, geez, you got to work with people you love <laughs> and doing something you love with people you love, and if you're not having fun doing it, that's a major problem. Um, and it's been hard work. I mean, building something from scratch, as you guys know, is, is no... Uh, Is no easy task. Literally, we started. I walked out the door August thirtieth of two thousand nineteen, and on September first. So yeah, I took the thirty first off. On September first, no, had no office supplies, no computer, no nothing. Like literally starting from scratch oh you you lived your life
0: you lived your life on on twitter and instagram at a time and we were talking the whole time like what do you what is he doing what are
1: they doing this long reveal i want to know what's going on it works where's he going what the hell is this guy doing
2: is harry okay finding office space. yeah um you know obviously all the details of of creating this business and getting it going getting a prototype deciding what the brand is coming up with some language, like all the like, cool fun stuff that's hard work because there's literally no guardrails. You could go anywhere you want it. There's no, there's no history. There's no legacy. And I think that the other cool part about it, although this will be hard for me to go through and relive all this is Mark had the idea and Lev had the idea that let's document the whole thing. So let's, let's <laughs> make a documentary that is about the creation of Municipal and getting the product, creating the brand, getting it to market, giving everybody the behind the scenes look at it. Um, Mark had a couple of other businesses too. So let's, let's have this documentary series about Mark and his entrepreneurial spirit through his eyes and through the eyes of these people operating these businesses. And so they started filming in about December of 2019, and we had the cameras on basically nonstop right when the pandemic hit. Oh, so wow. that airs on HBO Max on um, on April 15th called Wall Street. And yep. you'll get to see, like, really the creation of Municipal and how we, spoiler alert, I'm still here, so how, <laughs> we, survived, yeah. how we survived through the pandemic. And I think I've seen... The first full episode, and I've seen clips, and honestly, it is riveting stuff. Although, as I said, it's pretty painful to re- relive a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was now, good. but um,
0: but yeah, that's that that's be be my been question. the fun part of it.
2: You know? <laughs> that's been the That's been the really fun part about it is is we we have a really awesome team here, and we I think our products are phenomenal. Um, the the response to sport utility gear and our approach to to athleisure, I think has been off the charts cool, and we're really excited about where it's going in the future. And um, it, it there was a while there, the summer like probably every business where we weren't really sure if we, if we were going to make it. So it's nice to be here talking to you guys about
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. Before we go, I'm going to have you pick. Give me three picks for the Masters. I want a clear winner. I want kind of a middle of the road. You wouldn't be totally surprised, but kind of surprised, and then a total dark horse. Who's your picks?
2: All right, I love it. My dark horse. I don't even know if you can call the guy dark horse because he's top ten in the world. Um, is is Xander Shoffley? I feel like he's just going to win one one day soon. I'll
0: give it. He's, I'll give it to you as middle of the road. That'll be your middle of the road middle guy. of the road. That can't be dark horse.
2: Oh. Okay. I need, I need well, a little dark. No, I, I know he's been there, and. These are Callaway guys, too, so I'm going to sound like a total homer. Because I feel like John Rahm is is going to win a Masters sometime in the next five years. Yeah. Um, he drives it. He, he drives it as well as anybody in the world. He, he putts it as well as anybody in the world. And his Iron Game may be the best in the world. So that's, that's usually a pretty good combination. right? So he, he can't – is he a favorite? Is he kind of a favorite? He's like number two in the world. He's got to yeah, be a favorite.
1: 12 to one. He's definitely so one he's number five, yeah. number so six. That's my
2: favorite. Yeah. Okay. My – my total dark horse. Here's my total dark horse. And I I can't even believe that I'm saying this because I only, this is only like a, a complete gut feeling is um, Web Simpson. Just a gut feeling. Whoa. I don't know why. Whoa. I just have this gut feeling. That's
0: super and, sneaky. And uh,
2: I know. So I just, uh, I feel like there's just, it's a gut feeling. And then I think the, the thing I love about the Masters, and you don't really know this until you, you really start to, you know, you watch it for a long time, is the, the and you know, you're not allowed to say anything bad about, about the Masters or Augusta Nationals because they, they put you in the penalty box. Right. But, <laughs> so this will sound like, this will also sound like pandering, but it's really not. It's the best run sporting event in the world. And I, and I say that not, not just because of the fan experience. Honestly, I've been to um, most of the big events in the world, I would say. I've been to World Cups. I've been to Olympics. I've been to uh, Super Bowls and stuff. Um, I won't mention that because I'm a Falcons fan. So I've been to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I've been to uh, uh, Formula One races. I've been to IndyCar, Indianapolis 500, World Series. It, the, the Masters is the best sporting event in the world, the best-run sporting event. Like You have the sharpest minds in the world coming together to put on an event, and um, it's the best-run event in the world for the fan experience. And the way that they design the, the tournament and the way they set the golf course up is designed so that there are a lot of people in contention on the weekend. It's the smallest event, it's the smallest major. There are 80, I think they're this year there are 88 players. And if you think about it, of those 88, you have past champions in there, you have some amateurs in there. So really the the, the field is like seventy-five people. So it's already tiny. The cut is um, the cut cuts it down to fifty half that, of course. Yeah. And the, the way they have the golf course set up now, which I love this about this major championship, is they want birdies on the weekend. Mm-hmm. They want guys who maybe are six or seven back on Saturday to be able to jump up the leaderboard. And um, the, the, the end result on that is you have guys who, if you're playing well coming in and you're confident, then you have a chance to really compete. So it, I think that's going to set up for a phenomenal week, number one. But I'm looking at guys, and this won't be like, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying this because they're these guys are playing really well lately. Of course, Spieth, who has been playing well for two months, won this past weekend. Matt Kuchar could compete well there. He's not long, but the thing about Augusta now is you don't really have to be that long, especially if he's playing firm and fast. Right, and it sounds like it is. Ah. And it'll be playing firm and fast. I have. Did you guys download uh, Augusta on your weather app yet? Take a look at it. It's, it's going to be. <laughs> I didn't check it. Sunny. Yeah. Oh, it's going to yeah. be sunny. Sunny firm. It's firm and fast. Oh, yeah. Of course, it was not that way in the fall. And my other thing, and I told uh, told some of the guys I work with here that I'm looking forward to. On thirteen, now, on, you know, we're we're fortunate that we've gotten to to see the tournament in person and be on the grounds in person. And I grew up in Georgia. So I, 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 uh, I got to go a couple times when I lived there and a bunch when I was in the golf. So 13th hole, you know, they tucked the tee box way back in that little shoot. It's basically back in Augusta country club now. Right. And the tree line, most guys have to, uh, most guys kind of hit it out to the right. A lot of the players now will hit three wood there. And, they can shape it, and then they – nowadays, most guys are going to end up with 220, 230 in, and so you don't, you don't really see guys hitting short irons anymore like you did when, when Tiger and, and even when Bubba won there. He was hitting – I think he was hitting like nine irons into that green. But Dyson Shambo, in the, in the, when they played it in November – I believe one of the days he had about 158 yards in on that hole, which is so hard to believe because he has to take it out up over the trees, which is probably a 330 or 40 yard carry. My, my thing I'm looking for is what's the shortest iron or yardage that that guy's going to have in on 13? On yeah, so that's, that's what I'm looking for.
0: They're talking about him blowing it into 14. I was thinking, like, right in front of the stands on 14 if he kind of misses that last tree in the end, he could almost get it all the way to the stands and just have so if a little he legend.
2: Did, if he did that, that is like almost a 400 yard drive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. yeah. So I know, and that's going to make everybody that manages that tournament panic, but I, I just think it's fun. I, I think it's fun to watch that stuff. So I, I always look for that kind of stuff. And then the other thing I, I always love to I don't know if you guys love this, but I always love to see which past champion who is, you know, is over 50 years old, is going to make the cut, and maybe even, like, get some airtime on Sunday. And oh, Bernard Younger uh, the last couple always of years. Always happens, every year. Yeah, every I year. love that. I love Bernard Younger the last couple of years is, has, you know, 50, whatever he is, 58. So that's that's always cool to watch too. But um, I this is my favorite, as you can yeah, you you this nailed my it. favorite This is my favorite week of the, of the year.
0: You nailed it on the head with the Masters. I mean, I I've, I've been there a few times and it's like the perfect combination of tradition and innovation. There's there's no way to explain it unless you've experienced it, but it's like you know, if you've been there before and you go there again, like there's still those traditional things that you're used to seeing at the Masters, but then like, you know, things like you can see every single player on the app on your phone. Is something that the masters rolled out like that kind of blows you away. I know
2: that, that isn't it the that best. They're that the way, best, the best digital experience of any sport is is on their website and the the thing they started last year, which was like, how did they even do it? You can go on after a player finishes this round. This is one of my favorite things to do, and you can go on any hole they played, and they'll show you every single shot yeah. that that player hit on that hole, which I love.
1: It's really cool. We'll no, that's really cool because then, I mean, you can't compare your game to theirs, but it's cool to see how they approach different situations.
2: <laughs> but don't, but don't, well, okay, come on. But aren't we all like, okay, he made it 12. <laughs> yeah. He made it 12 on 15. How did he make it 12? Let me yeah. do that. Yeah. No, okay, all right, so <laughs> that's so true.
0: Last question, <laughs> l- last question regarding Augusta, have you played it?
2: I have. I've gotten thought, really lucky. I thought to, you might have. I couldn't, it I couldn't I remember. I played it did. a handful I of time. Yeah, A handful of time. Yeah. Which I don't like telling people because then that immediately gets a punch in the face, but it's uh, it's 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 there aren't any other places like it. Not just because the, the golf experience is so fun, but you know every hole so intimately well from watching it so many years that uh, there's not another golf course like that. I don't think, with the exception maybe Pebble, just because we get to see it so often on um, U.S. Opens and you know during the during the year when they play the, the AT and up there
0: what was the best shot you hit out there in, in all your experiences or, or even a shot that you can remember, um, kind of being similar okay, to the well,
2: tournament. Now I have, I have, uh, a few that are memorable. The, the, the good on, uh, number eight play. So usually what people will do if you get invited there is usually you end up playing twice. So you'll play once and then you'll stay over and then you'll play the next day. So on number eight, the first, on the Saturday round, I made a three. So I hold out from about what? 60 yards for Eagles. Nice. <laughs> and then the next, the next round, I hit it to an inch. So I almost made three, three on eight, which was awesome. <laughs> my ugly, my ugly was, um, on the a previous round on a previous trip was playing like lights out, like so well. I think I was one over on number seven. And, you know, we play from tees that, you, the guys in the tournament aren't playing from. So we're playing for the members' tees, which sure. plays quite a bit, quite a bit shorter. I had like 90 yards in on number uh, seven. So it, it's like a 300 and, it's like 300. You know, I had a great drive. Hit a cold, hard Hazel <laughs> <hosel> rocket.
0: <laughs> over into 14?
2: It went dead right over into yeah like up over by the trees so it's like i i so i ended up making a uh i actually made a pretty good six after that after the hosel (laughs) not because i made it not because of recovering but because i was so rattled because i knew uh uh-oh and i proceeded to hit a couple more shanks including on uh on 13 we were just talking about 13 so i hit a like decent drive and then i I chickened out and hit like a hybrid up kind of right of the kind of to the right. And then I had like just a little pitch because that whole play is very short from the member's teeth. Yeah. I had a, I had just a little pitch, uh probably 50 yards over the Creek to the, to where the, the hole was. And again, I hit a shank and it went way over to the, the uh that is the 14th tee box. So if you can imagine that, Oof. and I was rattled and I asked the, I asked the caddy, I said, how, how far do you think I have here? And he goes, you know what? I, I have no idea. I've never seen anybody up here. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: same yardage you just had, hit it again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So and whatever, like the, the four players have not the shank version. They have some version of those stories there that like at any given hole, there's calamity or you can, you can play pretty well. If you, are confident in hitting it well. But that's why I think it's so—it's such a great tournament because it, really, um, it really opens it up to really anyone can win. Any of the top 25 can compete there. It's awesome.
1: That's so cool. I love it. I just love the stories. I'm kind of like, I say awestruck, starstruck by just hearing about the internal things. So here you are, Nett, Love talking with you. Again, love the stories. Municipal, check them out. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, they're everywhere. Love the clothes, love the golf insight as well. Thanks for joining us, friend.
2: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Great catching up with you guys.
1: Thank you. You don't get to talk to people every day that have had master's experience, if you will.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, Harry's kind of one of those guilty pleasures. You know, I am I love love getting into the nitty-gritty about marketing and everything else and, and just his, his role that he had. Uh, for all those years and, and kind of being so innovative, and then taking this big leap in the municipal, it's really really cool just to catch up with them and just just a good friend of ours and, and and good to catch up.
1: We'll have to get out there and visit them, you know, check out what they have yeah. coming out. We're,
0: we have to you know slim down before <laughs> we throw that do. stuff
1: on. <laughs> we yep. got to look good in it. I mean, we'll fit in it, but we got to look good in it. So that's a
0: whole new category though, luxury at leisure.
1: It's just athleisure.
0: No, he said luxury at leisure. Well,
1: yeah, but yeah. I just like the blending of the words. Yeah,
0: so we need to. We need to slum down. To get we to
1: can that. get on that Mark Wahlberg workout. Uh, <laughs> we might not fours, make it. <laughs> 4
0: p.m. is really good for me. 4 a.m. is really not good for me.
1: All we can do is our best. Hey, I do want to get back to the Masters really quick. Just as we're talking about getting in shape, let's talk about the Masters dinner they had on <laughs> Tuesday night. Awesome. Dustin Johnson obviously was in charge of that this year. Let's break it down. So let's go with the appetizers here.
0: I thought it was just sandwiches.
1: Uh, no, more this than was sandwiches. different. Okay, more yes. Than sandwiches. Yes, we Got went it. pigs in a blanket. So, kind of sandwiches, okay. And lobster and corn fritters for the appetizer.
0: What? Is it that like a hush puppy?
1: I don't know, it seems like it. I mean, I think I'd eat it. Hush puppy
0: or lobster? That'd be,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Lobster, he's kind of scaling it up a little bit. I don't know. I like it. Salad, though, this is where I would just... Hit the home run because I don't need a salad with all <laughs> the fruit and cuts of side. everything. I'm always taking stuff off of it because I have the palate of an 8-year-old. <laughs> so they had garden salad or Caesar salad. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. Right up my <laughs> alley there. Straightforward. And then the as for the entree, I could have gone either way. I mean, they did an or, but I'd take both. Uh, prime filet mignon or miso-marinated sea bass.
0: Uh, What's your pick? <laughs> no one got the sea bass. Yeah, Guaranteed. just go
1: with a the steak Guaranteed. there. It had to be good.
0: <laughs> no one went sea bass. It had to Except be good. So Except maybe like good. Gary Player might have gone sea bass. That's about it. <laughs> I'll go with the sea bass. Yeah.
1: Uh, sides were mashed potatoes or spring vegetables. You got both. Congratulations. I'm just focused on the main entree there. Dessert, I yeah, I'd probably just get the ice cream here. It was peach cobbler and apple pie with vanilla ice cream. So just keep the fruit away from me, and vanilla ice cream's the way to go. <laughs>
0: Speaking of vanilla, I'm really upset with this menu. I thought I thought Why? he was going to go sandwiches. I really thought he was just going to go pimento cheese, egg salad, eat your heart out. That'd I was been, reading about it. So that would have been so Dustin Johnson. That would have been so Dustin Johnson. That would have been awesome.
1: I was reading about it, and Tiger, back in the fall, he had fajitas at his master's dinner, which I love fajitas, so that would be a winner right there, too.
0: It's kind of a weird combination. Fajitas, <laughs> and they're always real big on, you know, Serving some type of special wine or something like that. It's like fajitas and wine. All right.
1: Oh, I know the wine was super <laughs> fancy. I was looking at that as well. But
0: well, I guess I guess each player gets input into the into the wine list, and like that's like it's kind of tradition for the the host of the dinner to pay for the wine. I don't know something like that, but it's just like everybody loves to run the bill up and get the. Most
1: well, that's fancy. what Tiger tweeted. Yeah. He said, "Oh, I'm gonna miss being there because I love running up the bill." <laughs> yeah.
0: There's no way they pay for that stuff.
1: Which in itself, the tweets back and forth and everything, I just love that because it it humanizes it. It makes it seem like, wow, these guys do talk. I mean, obviously on the golf course you do and they're friends and you've heard of people visiting Tiger in recent weeks and stuff like that. Like, I just love how it humanizes, you know, everything these guys do.
0: I thought it was cool. Jordan Spieth talked about it. Um, The last dinner, well, the dinner that he hosted, which would have been 2016 because Spieth won in 15, was Arnold Palmer's last dinner. And so kind of everybody knew that it was going to be Arnold Palmer's last dinner. So um, it's kind of a tradition at this thing to whoever kind of the elder statesmen are. So it's like Nicholas and player, um, you know, those guys are always kind of the last, uh, the last to speak or last to talk uh, about the tournament. So I think that's, that's a really cool tradition. And, and Jordan was like choked up about it, talking about it four years later, which, yeah. I, which I thought was, was pretty neat.
1: All right, last order of business for us is our picks for the Masters. Andy, I'll let you go first because I think I went first last time.
0: All right, so I gave Harry the option of let's go with a clear winner. Let's go with a guy that maybe but wouldn't surprise me, and then a total dark horse. So my total dark horse, and I thought he was going to throw this out there as a complete homer pick, Phil Mickelson.
1: Would that be is the, dark horse. Would be
0: the total dark horse. But, but think about it, When Phil's won here, super dry super fast and you know maybe the magic of the putter comes alive for a week so that's my that's my super dark horse my middle of the road and when I say middle of the road this would be the, a, a person that would win the masters for the first time I'm kind of I'm kind of torn here I think it's Ostazen or Fleetwood those would be kind of my middle of the road and then I'm so torn. On who's going to win. I could literally flip a coin, but I think it's Spieth or Thomas. The way Thomas is coming in here from the uh, Players' Championship, you know, a little chip on his shoulder still. Um, man, I, I think he's really tough to beat because, you know, he played in the Players' Championship and then has taken a little bit of time off. Jordan's hot as can be. Um, strokes gained approach since uh, the start of the year. Uh, Jordan is by far number one in strokes gained approach, and everybody knows, you know, if, if he's number one in strokes gained approach, which is proximity to the hole, plus you combine it with his magic that you see from 15, 20 feet, old Jordan speeth, could be could be game over, could be just like fifteen where he was clear cut winner the whole way through for all seventy two holes. Is he the last one? He's, he's got to be the last one, probably wire to wire, but uh, just a
1: guess. You know what? I'm going to go through mine. Not a lot. Of analytics behind it. I just think <laughs> John Rom, I feel like he's due. I feel like he's got an opportunity. He's obviously top of the list for me. New I father. W- you know, guys, yeah, no expectations. Fresh thing. off a week of no sleep. You but know, he th- probably was there for no time and he headed right to Do Augusta. Know Danny
0: Willett won in 16 and he was only a father for a week. Same situation.
1: Hmm, maybe you should ask him for some advice. Uh, but I'm glad uh, that happened prior to the week so he could really kind of focus. Now he's obviously got that excitement everything with the family, but you, these guys will zero in and focus. So that's my favorite. I didn't want to go Jordan Speith because it's predictable. It kind of reminds me of a month ago when Bryson and uh, Lee were playing really well week to week and
0: oh, when we had that really good pick when Lee was 75 to 1 in the players and uh, I said,
1: "No, no chance. No, there's no he, way he does it." Yeah. yeah, so I actually for my middle of the pack picks, I want to say Lee Westwood finally breaking through. Uh, there and then also Sergio Garcia playing well over the weekend. And then Dark Horse for me. I was trying to go through some names here. I mean Harry, I think, mentioned Matt Kucher. Um Phil's a hundred to one.
0: Harry threw out there Webb Simpson as Dark Horse and, and
1: honestly, he's he almost too light. He's like <laughs>
0: I'm trying to He's still top 15. Oh, he's 35 in the world. to 1. Isn't he top 15 in the world though still?
1: I mean, like that's not dark enough. Well, you made him you made him change a little bit. So, but Webb's a good, I mean, Webb's a good one, middle of the pack. I'd say middle of the pack for him, but then uh I don't know. What about Siwoo Kim? You think he's got a shot? You
0: know, somebody just popped out just as so I was looking at it. Uh, no, I don't think Siwoo Kim has a <laughs> shot
1: if that's what you're asking. No. I'll go dark horse Siwoo Kim.
0: Um I'm breaking all rules. I'm going to go another dark horse. I think Jason Kokrak, uh, shout out, him and I played together in college. Uh, but anyway, the dude bombs it, hits it long, draws it. What they say always is the formula to Augusta. You hit it high, hit it long, and draw it. So uh, maybe Jason Kokrak breaks through. He broke through with his first win last year uh, in Las Vegas. So
1: maybe he maybe he does it this week. will see Max Homa have another nice uh, tournament. That'd be fun. It'd just be fun.
0: He's kind of weird. Look on the golf course, though. He looks like he's always uncomfortable. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe in a few years, but right now, I know he won. And he won in L.A., which is a tough scene to do it in. But man, I don't know.
1: I feel like it was just months ago we were talking about a guy like Abraham Answer, like he's seventy he's, to one.
0: That's still oh, that's a good pick. And throw some money around.
1: I don't know. I like I do like some golf because the odds are there, and if you get it, it's, it's a nice little payday. It really is. Well, let's end on that. We have a lot of plans this weekend, a lot of Masters to watch. Hopefully it's a great tournament. Harry already did the weather check, and it uh, looks good. So we're ready for it. A tradition unlike any other. We'll be back for another episode, uh, hopefully here in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. Get in the car. Right at us. Mark!
0: The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one.
1: This is Party of Four a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.